Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome to Book Nation. I'm Nell Coakley. I'm Chris Stevens. And today, we uh, a little later on the show, we have two ladies who are going to be sharing their brand new book. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. So I've known Lisa Sugarman for a while. She is one of our columnists. She um, writes the column, uh, It Is What It Is. And she's been writing for us for a while. But anyway, she's done two books on parenting. This is her second one. Her first one was un- was Untying Parenting Anxiety, 18 Myths that have you and knots and how to get free. I really told her she needed a shorter title. That is a really that is long really title. long. That's a really long That's title. That's really long. So this her second book. What we're going to talk to her about today that she has written with her with her childhood friend, like actually. her BFF. Yeah, her BFF, uh, Deborah Fox Gannonsburg, who is a counselor a counselor um, in Marblehead. She's uh, she'll you'll hear from her, and she's kind of all over the place, but she's based in Marblehead. They have written how to raise perfectly imperfect kids and be okay with it. That's going to be so much fun because I, I think everybody is under so much stress to be like the perfect parent or, or to have the perfect child. I and know. they're going to just talk us through like why that is not a good thing. Not a good thing. Not, not a, a good thing, thing for you. Not a good thing for, for your them. kids. No. Nothing. No, it's not a good thing. So that's a little later in the show. Yeah. Um, but we always like, like to kick it off with book news. And I heard something sort of astounding. Um, I didn't get the, the full thing, but... So there's a brand new movie that just was released on May 10th. Um, it's called The Tale of J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, that was going to be my only book news I had. Is was that I was the gonna, I was going to bring that up. Okay, yeah. so that's coming out, right? Yeah, I've seen, the, I've seen the trailer for it a bunch of times. They've advertised it all over the Everybody's place. Everybody's super excited. Yeah, it looks really good. It's how he came up with his stories. It's how he came stories. up with supposedly like his, his friendship, his relationship yep. with his wife, all this whole thing. Yep. So the family just, I just read... Um, sent this like I, I don't know what would you call it like a, a volley they just said in publicly that they do not endorse it <gasps> or its content in any single way really yeah so I, I had thought in the beginning I had read an article when they were sort of thinking about that as the family was very excited about it and then something went horribly wrong but I don't know what exactly went horribly wrong for them to be like we know the movie's opening up but please don't go see it because we it sucks I don't wow right yeah it's um, as a young student J.R.R. Tolkien finds love friendship and artistic inspiration among a group of fellow outcasts. These early life experiences soon inspire tokens to write the fantasy novels, The Hobbit, and Lord of the Rings. So, I'm, how bad could it be? I don't know, but you know, they're very protective of his of his legacy. Well, was it the movie on? Was it the movie? Was it Steve? No, it wasn't Stephen Hawking. Somebody else. They did a movie about. I want to say they did a movie about somebody's life, and the family came out and was just like, "No, that's not it. This is horrible. This is." Well, the Green Book. I know the family was not happy about the movie, The Green Book. Well, that's the thing is you can't, you can't sort of be religious about, 
you know, stick, excuse me, sticking to something because it, it's not, you know, that's not how they make movies. Yeah. If, if somebody stuck to something like completely and there was no drama or there was no conflict, what would you have? You would have the world's most boring movie <laughs> or a documentary. <laughs> and that's not, that's not, you know, these, these movies, that's not what they're about. And I think they're trying to highlight, you know, how some of these characters come about. Have you ever seen... Um, it was, I think it was like about an hour. It's a, it's a little flick called George Lucas in love. It's a takeoff of like Shakespeare in love and it's about George Lucas and it's about, I'm trying to remember it, it, it sounds not familiar, real. but it's I don't a know parody. if it's, it. it's okay. a spoof. So it's about like George Lucas finding this girl that he's in love with who inspires all these star Wars type things. And <laughs> no, she, yeah, her name, her, I don't remember her name was not probably not Leia, but she wore like the, the Danish things that like Carrie Fisher wears yeah. in the first movie. And that's, and so all these like little things about how he was inspired. And it was very spoofy. Um, and it was done like tongue in cheek. So sure. you watch it and you laugh and ha ha. But this is this is a little bit more. Yeah. They're trying to be a little bit more. That's a shame because it looks like a really good movie. So I suppose if I can just go to the movie and go, well, it wasn't really like this, but I like the movie anyway. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and that and that That's little actor Nicholas Holt, who is. I kept who, thinking it was going to be Benjamin Cumberbatch because it looks like that should be. Yeah, he's. It he's, looks like he should play that character. He's the guy who played Beast in all those like those these early X Men movies. Oh, is it? Yes, yeah, the okay. first class, and okay. now the was it the the saga of the phoenix? So that's very exciting. So it opens, it opens, and I'm just really. I think it opens this weekend, doesn't it's it? It's so scary because again, like they said, they're they're really protective of his. Legacy. Yeah, they're showing Showtime, so it, apparently it opens. It this opens weekend. today, the yeah. uh, May tenth. Well, that's a shame. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you would you like? Uh, do well, you want to know how the sausage is made? Like the, or do you feel like there there needs to be a little bit? Like let it go, people. It's yeah. it's a little bit. You can't like you can't tell like everything. No, but it would be weird too if somebody made a movie of my life and I was sitting there watching it, going, "Okay, that's not even remotely my life." <laughs> I mean, that would be weird too if they were Look, using my. Chris name. Stevens can fly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wouldn't that be cool? That would be my superpower, by the way. Flight. I mean, I'm already invisible. I don't need that. Yeah, so there you go. Superpower would my superpower would be flight. Totally. Um, I don't know. It would be weird. It would be, but it would be weird to see the story of a life of a family member up on the big screen, no matter how it came out would be odd to me. I right. Think it would be odd. Right. Like uh, when you go see something about like the life of Nelson Mandela or something like that. And you, his kids to watch that would be, so when did, um, so because I am, as you can tell, I'm, I mean, I read The Hobbit when I was a kid, but when did J.R.R. Tolkien what is his, um, when did he live? What is his, uh, I'm, try- I'm just trying to think. So who is watching this movie? Um, you know, what family members are coming out? His son. His son's the only one around. Oh, okay. I think his son Christopher is the one who's in charge of his estate. Okay. Because, and I think that they just, he's written a couple of books too, or finished some books. He's, he's done a couple of um, sequel-ish kind of things based on his father's notes. Oh, okay. Based on things. That See, I always think that's walking a dangerous path too. Oh, anything. Um, it's I think to we've take your to take another writer's notes. We have talked about this before. Yeah, like we were talking the most one of the most you know famous cases here in the Boston area is um, the Spencer books when sure when what, what what was his name I can't remember his name now God help Parker me. Parker when he died. Ace Atkins took it over. And, and, you know, some people say, oh, it's much better. Some people say it's really bad. Some people say, just let the guy be dead and leave it alone. I think um, because I read those books and I read them when Parker writes them and I read them now when right. Ace Atkins writes them. I, for me, it's 
kind of been a seamless transition. There were he had a couple of writers in between that were not as great. But once Ace Adkins took them over, I think they've been going fine. I think more about I was thinking more about like um um JD Salinger, who has been dead for a number of years now, and now his son, somebody in the family, has decided that they are going to, his, his widow and I think his son, have decided that they're going to take some of his unpublished stories oh, no, from over the years and they're going to publish them. And I think he had, the, they were unpublished for a reason. Well, he, we were talking about Harper Lee at one yeah, point where her sister exactly. found the ghost set of Watchmen and, and she never wanted that She published. never wanted it published and I don't think it's fair for you, for the family to publish it. I just finished reading a book called Rules of Engagement and it is the, I think it's book 11 in the Sir John Fielding mystery series by a guy named Bruce Alexander and Bruce Alexander was halfway through the book when he died and so they had this book that was almost finished and so his widow you know, with another gentleman, he had left a whole bunch of notes and, you know, as to how he wanted the book to finish. And I think they went there. But when I was reading the book, at a certain point, I went, oh, this must be the transition because it got really fast. It was very un... The characters were not sort of behaving like themselves. It was very odd. And you could just see, like, this is where we're going to end it. <laughs> we're going to end it quickly. This All is right. just to finish the manuscript. See, now what's funny is I read, I read years ago, I read Cold Sassy Tree, which I loved. Olive Ann Burns wrote it. And it's just, uh, it's just a lovely story. And then they came out with a sequel, Leaving Cold Sassy. I think that was the sequel. That's very that's original. Um, Leaving but what's Sassy. funny is Alice is um, Olive Ann Burns died before she finished Leaving Cold Sassy. And I knew this. And I read the book anyway because I was under the impression that somebody else had finished it, that it had been a finished book. It's not. It just ends. Oh, my. The book just ends when she died. They published what was written and nobody finished it. There is no wrap up. There is no prologue or, you know, whatever, you know, that comes. I'm sorry. She that would died be before. here. Yeah, it was <laughs> no. Yeah, it just the book. Just oh I was furious. <laughs> I was furious because I thought the book had an ending. I thought somebody had finished it or there would at least be some sort of wrap up. And there wasn't. Well, it's like those Sue Grafton books. She got all the way to Y. I know. I but thought, at least she finished Y. <laughs> I thought, oh, my God. Gosh, all these like my mother in law loves those books. I do too. She's read I every too. single I read, one. I read every she single one. She was looking one. forward. I read she, them in order. She got through Y. She was very excited about Z. No Z. No Her Z. daughter says that's not going to happen ever. I know that kind of makes me sad because I feel like she knew she was dying. Yeah. She had cancer. She had to have outlined Something. that last book. No way. I mean, because she knew she knew how her series was going to end. I mean, I'd read that before. Even a little letter. Like, just yeah, a letter. Dear fans, this is how it was going to end. And I, I feel like somebody could have done that for her. But it's the family decision, and I respect that. But, yeah, it's like, oof, we could have had Z. Oh, well, well, you know what? Another thing, too, that, you know, going back to this Tolkien thing is they've had such success with putting out all this like memorabilia, all this stuff. It's had such a resurgence sure. after those movies came yeah. out and then they did the Hobbit like in yep. 10 different parts. Um, <laughs> I, I'm exaggerating, but you know, everything it just felt that way. Multiple parts and multiple parts long. And, um, and you know, it's just, they've had success. So why not put out a movie? Why not sort of yeah. show how, but you know, Again, are you going to show something that's exactly the way it was? Because nobody's going to care. No. 
Nobody I wants know. to see that. No, they probably don't. They so don't. Chris, that's Chris and I's take on um, yep, on the whole Tolkien. But go see the movie and you know make up your own mind. And let us know on Facebook, which I swear there will be a Facebook there will be page just coming coming this weekend. So here um, we're going to talk to Lisa and Deb next. Yeah, but in the meantime, hang out with us for a few minutes, and we'll be right back with Lisa Sugarman and Deborah Fox Ginnensburg, who will talk about how to raise perfectly imperfect kids and be okay with it. Okay. Hey, welcome back to Book Nation, and we have not one, but two special guests today. Yes, we have two awesome guests. Lisa Sugarman and Deborah Fox Gansenberg are here with us today. They are going to talk about um, a book the two of them just put out. For Lisa, this is your second book in a, in a trilogy, right? Well, it, it is and it isn't. So it's kind of a me too okay. of the first book that I wrote. It was initially going to be part of a series, but we realized that we really didn't want to break it into age ranges. So we oh, just okay. kind of made one big general all-purpose book that really anybody can dip into at any point in time with any age kids. I like yeah, it. it just made it, it made more sense. Okay, so this is how to raise a perfectly imperfect, how, I'm sorry, how to raise perfectly imperfect kids and be okay with it. That's right. That is it. Is that it? All right. That's awesome. I like it. I, I like it. I like the title because I think, you know, we were all imperfect kids at one point or another. But everybody wants the perfect child and at some point as a parent, you go, oh, that's not going to happen. Oh, right. you, you I think oh, my yeah. parents were happy that we were just in one piece. Yeah. Well, we were <laughs> different back then, Chris. It was way, way different. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> so what has changed? I know um, the book sort of focuses on Gen Z kids. So what... I don't even know what generation, what age range well, is that? Well, I mean, that's from 1995, roughly. It's born in uh, 95 to, to 2012. It's that cohort. Um, you know, oh, my God. Of, I yeah. feel so old. Yeah. <laughs> they're in the millennial. They're, they're in the millennial, but right, right after the millennial. So it's kind of a weirdo yeah. generation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So me, it's, it's like me. I'm in the shadow of the baby boomers. Yeah, it's like my generation doesn't really exist. Right. <laughs> that's well, there's been so much about millennials, so yeah. they're, they're just like right yeah. after them. Oh, I totally the know how these kids that's feel. Coming up. Yeah. yeah, it's a tough little age pocket for sure. And I think the, the biggest thing that they struggle with, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, Deb and I are actually sitting next to each other here in her office and, you know, eyeballing each other and, you know, raising eyebrows <laughs> saying technology is, I yeah. think, the biggest factor yeah. that's impacting these oh, kids. Sure. And, and it's obviously, it's impacting all of us, you know, as caregivers and parents too, because these kids have grown up with only technology and nothing. That is so true. They just on either side of it. And the tough part is, is when they're using technology and we know with Instagram and Facebook and all of these outlets that they can present as having a perfect life. Um, and that's the expectation. And in the meanwhile, what's going on behind the scenes is a lot of imperfection, which is fine, but why do they have to, put out into the universe that everything's perfect. And that's, yeah, that is really fascinating. It's a face, it's a Facebook thing. I I just, it's funny that you say that because I just read um, an article where that seems to be, there seems to be a lot of depression Uh. and, uh, and just in people in general, like people, even our age group who are, um, you know, on Facebook and who, you know, all those happy, happy things. And they put all these wonderful things about themselves out there. And then, you know, they're just as miserable yeah. as everybody yeah, else in the world. But I can't people imagine. are trying to keep up and, and especially yeah. kids who don't know how to right. self-regulate. And granted, there are plenty of adults out there who also don't know how right. to self-regulate, but they're just, yeah. they're, they're attracted to this like a bug light 
and they, they and so are their parents. Yeah, exactly. and, the, and the dilemma is then you have parents who are mm-hmm. looking for the perfect shot and the perfect story to them out there. Yeah, and, it's true. And it's a pressure. And the unfortunate thing is, you know, how many times does someone post a picture of imperfection? And there are people out there and I love them because, you know, um, when, when a kid does something not so good or uh, on your vomit booth, you know, people are showing, you know, pictures of four different uh, sticks of butter opened and left in the fridge. That's wonderful imperfection. (laughs) And I love it. That's life. That's reality. Right. Um, all right, tell us what the vomit booth is before we gloss over that. So that is a, <laughs> that's a Facebook group. It's actually a public Facebook group now that that I started probably about a year and a half ago, and it's really I did it as a companion mm-hmm. to the books that I write. So this is this is. Um, the, the third book that I've written, and they're all more or less about parenting. The last two have been exclusively about parenting. And it's really just, I wanted to have a place, like a forum for people to go to bond over it, to bond over the imperfection and the screw ups and the madness and, and really have a place where somebody's there to hold your hair back and you just hurl it all up. Yeah. And, and people do. <laughs> right. it's, it's great when like someone posts a story about someone not changing imagine. the toilet paper and there are four things of new toilet paper on the floor right oh. below the toilet paper holder. But there's great imperfection right there. And <laughs> right. I, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, we have a lot of fun. <sighs> Or you get, the, or you get the, the the your when your kid goes in there and they leave just <laughs> right, a right. little bit tacked right. on there, the square <laughs> that was glued on there, the square. Yeah, so. So, ladies, how how old are your kids? So well, we can, um, I have you know, two daughters, and my oldest is about a minute away from graduating uh, from Boston University, a week from today. Yeah. Oh my god, wow. she's graduating. I, I feel like she, she just went yeah, you remember wow. when I wrote that series, Chris. Uh, I bet. Going off to college. Yeah, she's yeah. graduating yeah. Uh, next Friday and she is turning 22 oh, wow. next god. month. And my youngest is a uh, freshman in college and she is turning 19 next weekend also. Wow. So we have two daughters. And I have wow. three boys, three sons. And the oldest is 20 and a sophomore in college studying architecture. And middle son is oh, um, cool. graduating high school. He's a senior. He's 18 and headed off to college in the fall. And then my youngest is a freshman wrapping up his freshman year of high school and he's 15. So we, wow. yeah, it is. That's quite <laughs> spread. Never mind. all. But, yeah, but it makes yeah, for it good fodder. Nice because I only speak girl and Deb only speaks boy. So <laughs> I know. That's really yeah, interesting how that worked is. out. We, we kind of fill in each other's gaps and weaknesses with yeah. the um, opposite sex kids. Yes. And it's- so how, how different is this whole, how different is it when you come, you know, with the Gen Z generation and looking at, at um, the whole thing between oh, wow. boys and girls? Um, well, I mean, you know. Can we swear? They're two different planets anyway. <laughs> but. We can believe if we have to. Um, it's not live. So. Girls can be nasty and they play head games, and yeah, there can. is so much drama. You just want to gouge your own eyes out and 
bash your head on the street. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't speak for boys. I only have yeah. the perspective boys, of, of my husband, yeah. but that's what life is like with girls. It can yeah. not not necessarily mine. Yeah. I feel really lucky that my own two are really not dramatic in that way. But there has always been yeah we're fortunate that way but I mean it exists in that world and since that's our world we're privy to it and um it can be maddening because the the emotions are just all what you're they're dripping out of them all the time I I I feel you Lita I have a 17 year old of my own who's just finishing up her junior year of high school and I understand I'm nodding everything you're saying the drama the and sometimes it's not even drama like about something big it could be something small like you know you drank the rest of my orange juice how could you do that okay. and it just I'll, becomes I'll, I'll, the I'll one thing whittle it down you're like, more. you could just I say didn't... hello that's right? all right yeah right. how was your day right. how dare and you boys, ask me how my day we was do is we coach them how to manage all the women's drama no <laughs> no i think boys the thing that um, and I, I want to be careful because I think there are, of course, many boys that can be very emotional and, and dramatic. But I think that the beauty of, yes. of boys is that they are um, a little less um, emotional at times and it can be uh, keep things a little bit more simple. And that's kind of yeah, are they more? They're just more even yeah. keel, they, right? They're and like they're on a less more even apt keel to buy into a lot of what Gen Z is up against, which is a lot of the social media. Although boys are busy on their Instagrams, probably looking at things yeah. that they shouldn't, and that's the dilemma for us: is that our kids have access to a lot of different things, and I think boys, especially, and I'm not going to eliminate girls for sure, but um, you know, they are busy um, exploring things, and they tend to be a little bit more covert and uh, quieter about it, mm-hmm. and that also creates a uh, dilemma how how busy do we get as parents to try and help them and protect them and and yet at the same time um you know support and navigate them while they're uh, out there ex- exploring but uh, it's not easy being a Gen Z-er. it is no it is such a crazy world i can't imagine what it's like to grow up just yeah. knowing technology yeah. without, you know, life without technology. It's really super scary. Because, I mean, I remember getting yeah. Pong for remember, crying out loud. Yeah, yeah, we're like the Pong. <laughs> we remember, because for us, we've seen technology develop. We, yeah. we went from nothing to where we are today and we're, we grapple with trying to figure it out. And with right. them, it's just so innate Yes, where, you know, I might be looking for something or I might be like, you know, tapping away at my, my laptop at home and I'm just frustrated. And my daughter will come over and say, Hey mom, just X, Y, Z do this. Oh yeah. Blah, blah. I call my nieces <laughs> I if I have, if I don't know and what I'm, I'm like, doing. How did she do yeah. that? What did yeah, she know? Where did she get that? But I think that it's so innate opposite them. ends of, of they, that whole spectrum. I think us as parents with the kids on the opposite side, the Gen or kids because they have absolutely no idea mm-hmm. what our frame of reference is that we did live in an actual yeah. world that didn't have it and we yeah. at the same time can't understand why they won't pick up a telephone and and Chris you'll probably laugh because yeah, this was my call. Call. this was my column last week that why can't they just pick up the yeah, phone and actually call them they've got this device in their hands that can yeah. do everything but like launch a space shuttle and they won't 
<laughs> but they don't do it. Yeah, use it for and, what it's and, for. <laughs> and like my daughter will say to me all the time, you know, yeah. when I see them struggling, um, you know, to connect with people or make plans, and they're trying to do it like over an app or like in a group thread. And I said, pick up the phone, and she'll look at me and say, "That's not how we do it. It's not how my generation communicates." And that's when, <laughs> like, we as parents have to be nimble and have to understand how to see it from their yeah. point of view that this is all they know and they can hear it from us all day long, but it's not what they live themselves. Yeah. So it's like them having to understand our frame sure. of reference and us doing it for them. Right. And that's a big part. They always get that horrified look, mm-hmm. don't they? Like when you, when you say something that they feel is so stupid, like this, why don't you know that this is what it's, they get that horrified yeah. look. Cause you're like, why don't you just call? Cause it seems very simple. And they, I always get, you know, I'm going to call my cousin Why and talk to her about that? that. She's like, well, why don't you just text her? Yeah. Why do I want to text her? I want to hear her voice. Well, well why do you want to hear her voice? Why do you want to talk to and, her? And parenting is so it. much more challenging because of it. You know, take the regular things that we all deal with as parents um, for generations, right? All the classic stuff. And then add on this whole new um, context of living with all this, um, you know, media and technology and parents are pretty lost about it and they're lost also themselves because we're asking our kids to have self good self-control and self-management and here are big issues with a lot of parents who are nose deep in their phone and Mm -hmm. not able to navigate and manage themselves and you know oftentimes it is it's very difficult that is true you know we have to be careful because we are modeling if you don't want the phone at the dinner table don't bring it it's super You are totally, yeah. you're totally right. Like I, I took my daughter to a doctor's appointment and we were sitting in the doctor's office and I look across and I see a mom and she's got three boys with her. Um, you know, one was like 15, the other must've been 10, 11. And the other one was at least six or seven. And they were all, every single one of them had a phone. Every single one of them was on the phone and every single one of them, like we're not even paying attention to the others where I'm sitting there trying to have a conversation with my daughter about school. Like what's we doing afterward? You know, what we're having for dinner. She's sort of wow. semi-engaged. I was just going to say, how was she? Was she on her phone? But, you know, I was trying to semi-engage her because I was like, we really need to make these decisions before we leave here today. And, yeah. and I was just watching them and not, they yeah. didn't talk to each other once that like, the, you know, their name was called and then they all shuffled in. Well, I was like, wow, we, they were, so we were in Boston. <laughs> um, we were in Boston a few weekends ago. It was, it was just an unusually nice day because it's never nice here anymore, weather-wise in Boston. And um, we were, the four of us happened to be uh, on Newbury Street and we found a place to eat and we were sitting in this little outdoor cafe and we see this, this, you know, young girl, young guy that, I mean, they clearly had a relationship together and the entire time the four of us were sitting and having a drink and having a meal and eating. They didn't speak to each other one single word. Yeah. They were each on their phone, oh yeah, kind of curled up with their wine glass. <laughs> Fascinating to me about that was that both of my kids at different points while we were sitting there looked over at me. And this is how you kind of have a sense. That's like a winning moment as a parent. When my kid looked over at me and was like, mom, do you believe that? Like they're both on their phones at the dinner yeah. table and yeah. they're sitting there. I'm like, I look at Dave. I want to like high five him across <laughs> the table. Winning. 
you know, because it really stuck out to them, even though that's what their generation is so used to. And there are a lot of kids out there that I sit with and I work with, and some of these kids yearn for the connection, but they don't know how to navigate a parent who is busy working on their phone or on their laptop, and they and it, it is, it truly goes sure. both ways. So just as we're, we're kind of looking at our kids and how to navigate that, there are a lot of adults who have not figured out how to manage as well. And that's what makes parenting hmm. so complicated right now. So tell us a little bit about the book. What can people well, expect? The book what will they find has now, in, the in my opinion, become a far better book than it ever was because my good friend is sitting next to me oh. and she came and contributed. <laughs> By the way, I should, I think it's worth a, a tiny little side note. Um, it's worth telling you how Deb and I know each other because um, I don't think any okay. normal human being would have ever done what I asked her to do had we not had the relationship. <laughs> yeah, but so, Lisa's ballsy. Yeah. She'll ask so, him to do anything. So, um, so, she okay. so Deb and That's I have one been word. friends since the fourth grade. And we, we grew up in Marblehead together. We grew up going to school together. And, um, you know, obviously we both, you know, moved in and out of Marblehead at different times in our lives and came back here um, around the time yep. that I think her oldest was going through lower middle school. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, happened, yeah. And I happened to work at the school okay. and she came wow. walking in and, and it was this, you know, big love affair reunion. And cause we were very close <laughs> when we were growing up and, and then little by little, like she was, she was doing her, her work as a, a counselor and I was working and writing and, and whatnot. And, so we we kept saying to each other, you know, everything that we did independently was it, it was all centered around the same kind of humanistic view of parenting. That whole idea of let your kids climb a tree, let your kids fall a little, let your kids make a mistake, you know, empower your sure. kids. Exactly. Empower exactly. your kids it's to okay help to themselves. Fail. So we always would talk here and there about, God, we should do something together. Let's do something together. <laughs> and the very long story short is that we ended, <laughs> I ended up having an opportunity to go out West and, and speak to um, a school department about anxiety and kids. And um, it was right around the time that Deb and I were seriously trying to put something together to do something. And I said, you know, what would make this so much better is if I had a clinician who you know, feels the way I feel practices the way that I write, why don't you come with me? So she came with me and we had never Mm. spoken together like that professionally before. When I tell you it was so effortless and seamless and easy and it was so well received that the timing, it it did. I mean, we've always, we've we've always been great friends, but it just on this level and you never know if it's going to take or not. It did. And I came home from that trip and my book, the book that is currently being produced that will be out our book is it was in its final stages, editorial stages. And I looked at my husband and I said, you know what? Things were so good with the two of us away. God, I wish I could have like incorporated that into the book. I really want to do that. And he said, well, is it too late? And I said, I don't know. I don't think it is too late. So I pitched it to Deb. She was all over it. I pitched it to my publisher. They were all over it. And I will give this woman credit for hustling the (laughs) biggest hustle I have ever seen anybody anybody pull off in a matter of only a few months, Deb came in and she wrote effectively wrote sidebars to every chapter in the book, supporting everything with tips and language and advice and strategies and kind of disseminating everything that I was saying. Cause I talk, 
in an anecdotal way about everything. It's all my experience. And and she came in from that clinical side. And so it's such a well-rounded book. And and what the book really is, is... um, you know, it, it's just that humanistic approach to parenting, and and it's just a lot of typical, common situations that most of us as parents find ourselves in. I mean, I'm sure the book lacks other things. You know, there there are so many different things that you could put in, but oh, we kind of yeah. picked. Or, sure. um, I identified what well, I thought yeah. were kind of the, the the trouble spots, the issues. You know, the separation anxiety and popularity and technology and stuff that we're all dealing with, and um, it's really just the anecdotal stuff that lets you know you're not alone. We're all under the same roof, almost dealing with the same stuff. And Deb comes in and, and, and talks about how that's all okay. It's okay for us to screw up as much as our kids screw up because I'm sorry, but we, we were not, (laughs) you know, bred as perfect parents and they weren't, they don't come out with directions on their butt. Right. I was just going to say, there's no, no manual for either of you guys, you know, really for either kid or parent. The joy of coming in on this project um, is that, you know, Lisa does humanize it and make it so that, okay, and I am here not judging and trying to help people understand that there are ways to navigate these things. I, and I try and help people say they're not right or wrong ways. If you've done it and you're not happy with how it turned out, okay, how can you loop around and repair it and make it more, make it matter? And if you're pleased, sure with what you've done wonderful high five and let's you know yeah exactly and so <laughs> write that down really is an opportunity to take <laughs> some of these things that lisa highlighted as kind of uh, common conflicts and and really um break them down and connect with people to say oh yeah that happens in my house um and not feel so badly about it and and connect and then I come in and I actually then say, if this is happening in your house, have you thought about A, B, C, or D? And so then I get the clinical support and how to navigate cool. that. So, because parents often think that they're alone. The, the Everybody thinks they're alone. They don't know what to do. Oh, no, yeah. You, <laughs> fake, you fake it, it all the way to Fake it till you make it. Fake it. So Deb, let's give you let's give you a plug here. Now you have yeah. an office in Marblehead, um, correct? So what is I've, your what is your title? Um, Where are you located? I have been in practice for about 21, 22 years and it's uh, called New Beginnings Counseling Service. And back when I popped out my first kid, I decided why not go out on my own and my mother who also is in the industry together, we um, created a place where I had been doing school-based work and we thought how about trying to give a place to families and kids and parents to come after hours to work on some of the stuff that some of the school-based work was um, kind of highlighted. So we opened an office cool. in Stoneham, Mass, and we were there for about 19 years. And then in the last year and a half, I've kind of taken it over and um, kind of put all the clinicians out there in their own space. And I moved in created an office in Marblehead and I also have some space out in Reading and my mom is still out in Stoneham and we decided we both came out of getting our experience and we came together and created uh, around a table one night when I was pregnant and my brother's wife was pregnant we're toasting the new beginnings and boom that was it we created new beginnings counseling service and wow. I do a lot of work with young families and I do a lot of work with the parents and couples and 
groups and all age kids. And then I also have another part of my business where um, I have a lot of clinicians that go out into schools and we customize school services um, that are serving. You know what I love about this generation, because I, I just want to interrupt you for a minute, is, um, you know, our generation, we've always thought like, you know, somebody's in counseling, you know, yeah. it's a, but this, this Gen Z, for them, counseling is just another, another tool to help themselves. They don't look at it like they, they have a whole way there's of no, looking at no things. Yeah. Anymore. So I think that that's... I, no. Yeah. No, for them, it's like, yeah, I, I'm, I well, have a problem. I, I I'm going to get some help a, with it. Let's a dilemma move on. Where I start I seeing a kid about. in town, or you know, um, in another town, and then they tell a friend, and all of a sudden, I've got three of their friends because they all want to be in counseling. You know, and it's, it's, it's you know, and they learn like this. And I, <laughs> I, you know, I think one reason why I do this job well is I'm not here to judge. And when people walk into the office and um, they're afraid yeah. to open and share, I try and help them understand my, my help is only as good as your honesty. So if you only tell me part of a story or don't tell me really the story, I, I can't really help you with that. So um, kids learn that it's, it's safe sure. and it's healthy to share and talk. But I do have to say there is still a subgroup of parents and, and adults who might see it as stigmatizing. And I hope that over time, you know, kids yeah. can get what they need because it can't hurt them. It can only help them. Sure. I, it's interesting too, because you guys come, you guys both seem to come from a really good place because I know you just talked about your relationship yeah. office, obviously with your mom, you guys have worked together for years. And Lisa, I know that you I, yeah, have an amazing very, relationship with your mom. She just came home, by the way, from Florida. So, so I'm smiling because she's time of the year when she's from Florida. So I'm absolutely thrilled. Yeah, I'm very, uh, I'm very, very blessed that, um, that I have a, a super close relationship with her and, um, you know, like Deb has with her mom. So we're, we're among the lucky ones in that way. Yes. But I think it does come down to communication. You know, if um, a lot of people say, how could you be in the same office with your mom? How could you run a business with your mom? And I think it does come down to communication and understanding um, and, and sharing. And I don't think that enough of our generation has been taught that. And so I hope we're teaching young, our younger generations. I yeah. always say to kids, tell me what you think. Tell me what you need. Tell me what your thoughts are and because it's important. And I uh, I know yeah. our generation was taught to yeah. just be quiet and <laughs> sit there and be quiet. Children should be seen yeah. and not but heard. The trick kind in of thing. parenting yeah. is being able to draw the line. Yeah, and I always exactly. say to kids and parents, hey, look, exactly. you know, you might share your opinion and your thoughts, and that's so invaluable. It might not change the outcome, but <laughs> you might still be grounded, even if you say it, that upsets me and I'm going to get anxious, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> But that's okay. That's yeah, awesome. I love that they advocate for themselves. They're, they're much more willing yeah, in some ways yeah. to advocate than we were totally. growing up where yes. they'll be like, I, you know, I, I always say to my daughter, don't accuse, just, you know, tell right. me what you're feeling. Don't say, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. That's not healthy. So I always say to her, like, you know, just tell me what, you, right. what you're feeling. And then maybe we can go from there because when she says you didn't do this, I'm like, well, my first, <laughs> my first trigger is to be defensive. And I think that, you know, it's parent, yeah. you, you have to sort of like, well, when we, and, yeah, when we were breath. kids, you would never question and your parents. Your parents no. If they told you to do younger, something, you I did it. Like, yep. You know, necessarily. And I, I don't, I don't speak for you know necessarily the four of us, but parents were not necessarily willing to hear what their kids had to say. That's it right. was this is what we need you to do. 
and this yeah. is what you will do. Oh, yeah. And there wasn't that, that right, exactly. Right. There wasn't that kind of I said so. communication. And I think now exactly what Deb was just <laughs> saying that whether whether or not what your child has to say changes the outcome of the situation is almost irrelevant. What's most important is that your child had the opportunity to be heard. And I think that's, look, at whether you're a child or whether you're an adult, anyone in any capacity yeah. of life just sure. wants to be heard. Right. And, and I, we're, I think we're moving more yeah. toward just, that, yeah. that trend of thinking and behaving and parenting. Yeah. And, and it's a good thing because, yeah. you know, look, it's a collaboration. Any relationship, whether it's husband, wife, sure. spouse, work, friendship, it's it's, you know, child, true. parent, it's a collaboration right. and um, it can't work if it's all one-sided. That's right. Awesome. We, we established early on cause you know, my daughter has autism, so it's very important to get, you know, she, she tends to close up. So it's very important that, you know, we hear her. So we used to have family meetings and we would call it the safe space during the family meeting. You could say what you want to a degree. I mean, let, let's be honest, but, um, you know, you could say, <laughs> yeah. you could, my give, parents would never put yeah, that out there. <laughs> you could have your thoughts and feelings and then we could discuss the matter. But in the end, we always made That's it clear. Right. Mom and dad will make the decision, right. but thanks for sharing. You know, it's, 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 a yeah, because you you know somebody has to be the adult. Somebody does I have agree. to make the final decision. Parents, and, and that's the dilemma here is that there there's a huge spectrum of how parents are operating, and some you know hand them the world and no limits, and they're the very you know kind of permissive parent who kind yeah. of backs up mm-hmm. and says, "Okay, fine." And then there's parents who might say, "Because I said so," and I think finding a nice um, middle of the road where you're, you know, you're firm Middle and ground, loving yeah. and listening, but then you're also setting limits and rules and kids need that to succeed. And that's what we talk a lot about mm-hmm. in the book is around um, kids uh, are needing to be taught these skills. And the only way to teach them is by creating opportunities. And and so that's what parenting is. And, and we, we talk a lot too about just the notion of needing to say no we have to say no it's our obligation as parents to say no and to set those boundaries and you know this all goes back to what deb was saying about being a permissive parent which so many are because all you want to do is be the cool mom or you want to be the cool dad or you want to be you know exactly (laughs) and you want to be the best friend yeah I have never wanted to be my daughter's best friend. My mother, my mother made our, I feel like Bill Cosby, but my mother used made our relationship. Yeah. She yeah. said, I am not your friend. I am your mother. I was like, okay. But I mean, when I, when I, you know, grew up and, and left the house for college and then became a mom myself, like our relationship mm-hmm. changed completely. Like we were best friends. We would go out and do stuff. And I finally did say to her at one point, I was like, mom, we're like best yeah. friends now. She's like, that's yeah, really nice. That's that that, really but funny. I'm still your that mom. That is not what I thought you were going to say. I know. Parents in our world today, you know, some of them, uh, awesome. you know, I think just as many that want to be the cool parent know that they can't be. And it's just finding a way to, to navigate that successfully. And it's not easy. It's, really it's not an easy job so we hope that yeah you do want to get it yeah but i think a lot of parents are doing a better job than they think and the other half of this and what i try and coach parents is having some of their own self-compassion and and kind of patting themselves on the back that they're doing the best they can and if they make a mistake or they flub up or they don't do what they wanted to or it didn't come out well is that there's a way to loop around and repair that and it's okay it's what you do with it after that really matters and so 
Hmm. I think you can. Cool. Like, I think you're so right. Cause I think you, if you mess up, you, it, we used to like our parents. I've never had my parents apologize to yeah. me ever when I was a child for something no. that happened, even if they were completely wrong. But I think it is important that parents, you know, like you just said, like come around and say, you know what, I got angry with you, or I'm sorry that, you know, it's okay to apologize to somebody because, right. you know, you hurt their feelings or whatever. I think that's okay. I think because that's right. just like you just said, that's a more humanistic approach than just saying, because then they see you as a little right. bit more human. And, and, they're, they're, modeling. and right. they're modeling well. behavior that you want your child to be yeah. able to also um, replicate. You know, you want them to be able to apologize and you want them to be able to have some accountability and say, you know, maybe I didn't do that well. Um, or yes, I'm really sorry I did that. So if you're not doing it, how do your kids learn that? We talk a lot about that too in the book. We address that yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. Kind of that's, that's another theme that, that permeates everything that... We, we have to teach our kids how to own it. Just yeah. that, that general idea of owning your decisions and your behavior and your actions because actions have consequences. And you can't just walk around saying that, that wasn't me. That's not my yeah. fault. That wasn't my decision. Yeah. That, you know, that's, that's so, you not You know, there's a first me. step to that. And that is helping parents also right. learn accountability. Exactly. Because, <laughs> and, you know, it is. It's a truth, yeah, right? But there are parents, and you know, the principal calls them and says, "Hey, you know, Johnny did this," and it's like, "Oh, my son wouldn't do that." Well, let's stop and think for a minute. And so, you know, our generation, our parents would be like, "What did they That's do?" What, that was we always joke about that when the parent when the principal calls home. When we were kids, the parent would, my right. parents would immediately look at us and say, what did you do? And I feel like nowadays the right. parent looks at the principal mm-hmm. and right. says, that, what did you do? That's really interesting you know, right. like because that is, so, <laughs> that is so, so true. Yeah. And, and one of the benefits of the work that I did be, before I, I stopped working in the school system and started writing full time, I was in the school system for 13 years and I was there in so many different capacities. I mean, I was in a classroom, you know, as an assistant teacher, Mm -hmm. I was a one-on-one, I was, you know, support staff in an office. So I saw kids and educators and administrators and parents and, and the, the full range, which gave me such a big wide lens, you know, to, to look at the whole experience through. Mm -hmm. And I cannot even tell you, and these stories are in the book too, cannot even tell you how many, like the crazy (laughs) things that parents would do and say and demand and, and insist. And, and you would just look at them and say, wow, I am so, so sure. I know why your kid is the way they are right now. Yeah. <laughs> or you would think, wow, yeah, you are right. blazing <laughs> and they're firing off rounds and um, right. entitled and, and doing literally everything but sitting in the seat in the classroom for their kids. They're doing everything. Well, these are the these are the same yep. parents that yeah. just, you know. The helicopter parents. Well, no, I'm thinking oh, they're the same yeah, parents exactly that just lied to get are, their yeah. kids into college. Yeah. <laughs> just made you can't do that setting them up for success is important exactly. and we're dealing with we talk about a lawnmower parent and a lawnmower parent is um of this generation where the parent is kind of plowing down any kind of obstacle or problem or conflict for their kid and and it's a dilemma because kids then don't know how to deal with mm. adversity and conflict and, and and so then they go off and then totally true them to you know, thrive and fly and go. And then it really turns out to failure to, to fly because. 
Yeah, everybody everybody always talks yeah. about success. You have to succeed. You have to succeed and the pressure to succeed. But I, yeah. I know I don't know if you guys ever saw Mythbusters yeah. and like their their number one rule was it's always okay to yeah. fail. Failure is always an option. So I always say to my daughter, whenever she goes off to do something new for the first time that she's always feeling challenged or pressured that's by I'm like that's it's beautiful. okay. Failure is an option. I think it's, you, it's it's and, and if you fail and if you fail, yeah. that's okay. Let's just, you know, Absolutely. let's just go back to, you know, and just look at it again yeah. because they do. I feel like I think everybody's under such yeah. pressure to succeed, succeed, yes, exactly. succeed. It's and like, succeed well. Succeed not just succeed. Not just yeah. you to make well, it happen. Right. And I'll tell you something. In in my opinion, exactly. and I can totally speak for Deb because I know it's her opinion, that there are um, – a lot of different, you'd say, core skills that we all need to have as human beings. And I would put the ability and skill of learning how to fail and get yourself back up and keep moving forward. Yeah. And that that just ability to persevere is, yeah. in my opinion, th- at the very top of that list of essential That's human right. skills. That's right. And Absolutely. I, Right. Yeah. Well, if you ask people who, who are successful, you know they all they, they all, all tell you their their failures and sure. their and their things, and how they just keep going. Sometimes yeah, it's right, just keeping right. getting and up. That's in the a hazard and I think millennials and Gen other. Zers have, and that is that they really a lot of them don't trip and fall because we're so busy trying to clear the way for them that working hard and and overcoming something is a little harder for them to do, if at all. And um, it's unfortunate. And that's why, you know, I say to my kids, I'm proud of you if you have done the best you can do. And if it means it wasn't a perfect grade, then so be yeah. it. And um, and that's mm-hmm. right. And, and, you, you and that do, can yeah. look all different ways. And it, it is hard. We need to say that to our reporters here. Just do the best you can. You can say it to me we whenever you like. Just, just, just don't fail. Really bad. <laughs> right. But, but exactly. the other part to that is you want exactly. your kids to set good expectations for themselves. And, you know, sometimes the greatest gift we can give our kids is backing down our own expectations of them. Although we also want them to have, you know, healthy, good expectations sure. of themselves. And we need to have them as well of our kids, but being realistic is important. One of the other things that we focus on a a lot throughout the book is, is the idea that we all, I think that, you know, the day your child is born, you've, you've got this instant flood of, of you want them to be happy and healthy and safe and thrive and do well in school. And all these, these things that we wish for our kids and we want to we, we, we want to play soccer. We want to do this. Yeah. We want to join our sorority or go to our college. And the big thing that, that Deb and I talk a lot about is let your kids blaze their own trail. We're there. We're there to, to you know, cheer from the sidelines sure. and offer that support and throw them a water bottle when they need it. You know what I mean? That, like that kind of support. But we're, we're not there to say, <laughs> you're going to do this. You're going to be that. Um, they, you know, I, I grew up playing lacrosse. Um, Loved it. Played through high school. Uh, one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. sports. Gave both of my two daughters lacrosse sticks, and they looked at me and handed them right back and said, <laughs> "We're going to go play soccer now." And we said, "Okay, great." And and we, as a family, then Dave and I both started coaching, and and the girls. That's what that was their thing. That's what they wanted to do, and 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 they thrived. And and what matters most. The bottom line is that your kids are, are, are authentic to who they are and, and doing what they want to do 
because they're not going to be successful yeah. when when you've just jammed them into a, a, a square space and they're a circle. They're just, they're not going to be successful and they're not going to yeah. thrive. And I would much rather be, you know, watching my kid be everything that they're capable of being you know, at, at a different college or in a different job, knowing that they're fulfilled emotionally and professionally and they're doing their thing. And, right. and that's, that's our job is to give them the skills to then go ahead and make their right. own choices. Well, you can't live. It's, I think we're, when you look at how your parents were, you sort of always think, well, you know, my parents tried to live my life for me because they failed at these things and they wanted these things and they're trying to live their life through me. And you have to be very careful as a parent, not to then turn around and, you know, see this young person with so much potential and be like, right. maybe they could do the things I never did. And right. you really just have to leave them be. I just realized how lucky I am. My parents were awesome. My, my parents were just like, go, live, but I be, do. The, the parent who <laughs> yeah. is um, yeah. triggered and, and behaves in a way that um, they're kind of, uh, maybe doing things that are less healthy or are not so great for their kids, if they can step back. And also, and I do talk about it in the book is, you know, having parents take the time to understand them, themselves and, and how they operate and why do they behave that way? Sure. And why can't they yeah. step back? And why do they hover? And why do they make decisions that instead of allowing their child to? And so just as much as it, it's a journey for your child, it's a journey as a parent and as an individual. And so I always encourage parents to get the support. And I do a lot of that coaching a parent um, through some of this and helping them also identify what's going on for themselves and this process. Um, and so exploring it sometimes enables you to be a more successful parent. And, um, yeah. Cool. It is a very good journey. And you know what? It is, Karen, a, it is a very I'm glad you job. used the word journey, actually. Because really hard. when we were writing this, what we really wanted the, the true overall vision of the book to be is like a field guide. We, yeah. we, we don't want to talk at you. You're going to be in the weeds. And we want like to it. give you... That toolbox yeah. of stuff that yeah. you can and we just are right kind there of with all you. around with you that gets you yeah. through to the other side and right. that you can dip into and you know kind of oh, like oh. what like a Swiss Army knife. This is like the Swiss <laughs> Army knife parenting books. That's our new that's tagline. That's, <laughs> that's our new tagline. We just did that. I love it. So, I love it. Oh, that's perfect. So where can people where can people buy um, can find this field guide? Where can they get their toolbox? It will be coming out. Yeah, it will be coming out, uh, should be Fabulous. August 1st. I know there are a couple of different dates that we have floating around right now. I believe that it should be August 1st, at the very latest, it should be September 1st. And it will be in okay. all of the fine bookstores where books are sold, books like uh, bookstores like Barnes & Noble. It will be obviously on Amazon. It will be, um, you know, Hugo right. Books, Spirit of 76, locally, all the local bookstores, certainly, and specialty nice. stores. Yep. And um, it will be... It's very yes. exciting. It'll be available oh, on Kindle. Exciting. It will also be available on Audible. So if you want to listen to, wow. I wish it would. I wish we were the ones recording it. Maybe we should. <laughs> oh my god! Thank you that. so much for that. You but uh, yeah, it will be on Audible as well. So yes. uh, it'll really be everywhere. And if you are interested, you can go 
just on Amazon and you can look up either, um, you know, Deborah Gansenberg or Lisa Sugarman and pre-order the book. It's available. The link is live right now to pre-order it. You could be very first people. And then um, you can always go to lisasugarman.com and it's there as well. Links to buy it are there. Um, Yes, it should be everywhere pretty soon. Awesome. Very good. Very exciting. So this has been a blast having you guys. I thank totally. you so much for joining us. We always ask one question though before we uh, before we end the show. So what is the book so, on your nightstand? Um, what are you guys I, reading? You I, reading? I have a confession to make about the book that's on my nightstand because since we're so yeah yeah right no it's not that bad it's not that bad. Um, I'm actually reading two books at the moment. Um, one of them I've been reading for literally ever because I write books so often that I can't sit down and read them i'm reading a book i've been reading i actually forever. have one of those books too that i've been reading forever yeah and now keeps looking crazy. Like, have you not finished that yet i'm yeah, like it's, I it's it. called Eat oh and yeah, Run, yeah. And it's by, um one of the the elite ultra runners in the world scott jurek and it's about he's a vegan uh ultra runner and it's just how he progressed into the sport and became a vegan and it's fascinating and we my family we run a lot so um i'm always fascinated Oh, Ooh. that's so funny because I'm reading Susan Lackey's book. Um, Life's too oh, short to go that to go so effing slow. Uh, I'm I'm also <laughs> actually reading at the same time. They're both kind of interrelated. Um, I I work out with a, a fitness movement, uh, the largest free fitness movement on the planet, and it's called November Project. And I am reading November Project the book at this moment. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. I am reading, uh, actually, uh, a woman that we grew up with also, Jody Coleman's, just put out a book called Speaking Out, and it's all about uh, divorce, children, adult children, divorce. So she asked me to see what I thought of it, and it's amazing because it's a great resource guide for families in any stage of divorce. Uh, So it's so far so good. I really enjoy it. And a lot of, she's, yeah, she's interviewed a lot of people. Interesting. I feel like earlier now, everybody's reading something really like nonfiction y highbrow, and I'm so not. Oh, well, I just finished a Phaedra Patrick book too, which was totally nonfiction and great and charming. Yeah. But I could yeah, be reading, I was the reading Hobbit at, at any time. time as well. <laughs> Very good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lisa yeah, Sugarman so and Deborah Fox Gannonsberg, for joining us today. I want everyone to so go out we. and pre order yeah. their book. Um, the, I was going to make sure how to raise imper- how to raise perfectly yes. imperfect kids and be okay well, with it because everyone thank you. should. Yep. And thank we you. Appreciate uh, it. Thanks thank for you. having thank us. You for joining Happy us. That's right. <laughs> thank you. And to you. And to you as well. Thank you very much. Yes. And everybody, um, keep reading. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.